Y'all can have a seat. Have a seat. I don't know what y'all clapping for. I know it ain't me. It might be this amazing team back here. It might be this. It might be this woman that was right here that has taken such unbelievably good care of me over the last six weeks. It's most likely for the God that is a way maker. Look at how good y'all look when the lights come on. Merry Christmas, Relentless Church. We come to celebrate Emmanuel, the God who is with us. He is with us. And it's not just that he was with us 2,000 years ago when he showed up, but that he is with us in the minute-to-minute, day-by-day of our life. And I am proof of that standing in front of you today. And I know that's hard, as many of you have faced hard things. I know the idea of God being with us is, is, is hard to digest when hard things happen, right? Like, if God is with us, then why is this and, and why is that? And for me, if, if, you, if you didn't know, six weeks ago, um, I had a stroke. If God is with us, how do we explain things like that? If God is with us, then where was he in that moment? And here's, here's what some of you know and some of you are going to find out. That God is with you even when things don't make sense. And, and if you're willing to open your eyes to this reality that God is with us and Christmas proves it, if you're willing to open your eyes to that reality, God will show himself in whatever you're walking through. As he has in so many ways, more than I have time to tell you, but so many ways he has let me know and let us know that he's with us in this hard season. Um, I, my stroke was on a Tuesday. I had surgery that Tuesday. Uh, we got people praying, and we're so thankful that you did. That Wednesday morning, there's a man named Dean Troon that some of you met this summer. He's a spiritual mentor of mine, um, and he was praying. And, and God often, according to Dean, God will often wake Dean up in the middle of the night to pray specifically for people. So that following Wednesday morning, Dean texted my wife, Kelly, and said, Hey, God woke me up last night, and I was compelled to pray for you and for David and for your family. And Dean's words were that he led, God led him to a scripture, and he said, I'm confident that this scripture is specifically for you right now. And it's on the screen. It was Genesis 15:1, where the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And I saw that, and I was still a, bit, a little bit in a haze, and it didn't mean a whole lot to me at first. It was nice, but I didn't think any more about it. Until two days later, um, because of some headaches, I was back in the ER, and they were getting ready to finally release, and I was talking to the ER neurosurgeon there about what had happened and everything, and, and he looked at me and he said, son, you dodged a bullet. It's one of the most sobering moments, like to have a trained expert in medicine look at me and say, son, you dodged a bullet. And it didn't hit me till later that God had woken up a man living in Arizona in the middle of the night to pray for me and led him to a scripture that he shared with me. And I, if I'd have thought about it in the moment, I would have told the ER doctor, I didn't dodge a bullet, I had a shield, right? Amen. That God is my shield. Fear not when God is shielding, and he did shield us from so much. God is with us. 
And he will prove it if you open your heart and mind in your own details of your own life. He will prove that he is with us. In one of our many rides back and forth, the doctor, Kelly and I were talking and just about that God being our shield. And, and my thought was, and forgive me if some of you think that pastors don't have these thoughts. My thought was, if he's my shield and he is, then why didn't he shield me from this ever happening? And my wife, in her profound brilliance, and and in God speaking through her, she said, you know, I've thought about that. And she said, the older I get, the more unsure I am of the ways of God. And if you think she's out of bounds, she's not. There's scripture that talks about no human can ever understand the mind of God, that his ways, his paths are beyond tracing out. We can't in our humanity ever understand all the whys and hows and, and all that he is. She said, the older I get, the, the, the more unsure I am of my ability to understand his ways, comma, but the older I get, the more confident I am of his character. Amen. And God spoke to me that in that, in that ride, in that conversation, been speaking to my heart of that ever since. Right? And if you don't understand that, it's not questioning like the ways of God at all. It's like you can only interpret the ways of God through the character of God. And what is the character of God? He is good. He loves us. He is motivated by love and he is with us, right? And the Christmas, the story of Christmas is that God has a plan and Christmas proves it, right? The the details, the exact time and the way and the how that Jesus showed up to change everything for us. We need to be reminded of those details because in those details are the character of God. So this video is going to kind of help us all, young and old, just kind of get a good, solid reminder foundation of the details of what we celebrate this season. Check out the video. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In this city is the temple run by the priests. And one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John. And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets, that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. There we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. 
she was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary, saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David, who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down. So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiancé, Joseph, had to go down to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman Empire about new taxes, and so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There are so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks, and an angel appears, which, of course, freaks them out. But they're told to celebrate because tonight in Bethlehem, a savior has been born. Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby, and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds, who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place, and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen. And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl, celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story, and that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor, because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order upside down. Everything changed. Everything has been different on this planet since that night. And I want to remind us of the motivation, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever trusts in him should not perish but have eternal life. That he came to be among us and to be with us and that was the plan all along was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before. He's in the details to come, to love us, to redeem us, to bring us back to him. That's always the heart of God from the first page of Scripture, to bring people back to him and to give hope. Let me let you in on a little, on a little secret. All right, don't go tell everybody. All right, a little, little secret from those of us who stand on stages and, and talk at Christmas time. And here's the secret. The Christmas story, it's the same every year, right? It's the same. We can look at different details, but if you come back next year, I hope you come back in a few weeks, but if you come back, it'll be the same point and the same, right? It's been the same for 2,000 years. It's the same story. Here is the key to Christmas, though. It's not finding the new detail that you've never heard before. The key to Christmas is this hope is... is is applying the hope of Jesus to the details of your current season of life, right? 
because Jesus doesn't change and the hope that he brought doesn't change. What does change is the season and details of your life. Many of us can amen this statement. If we look back 365 days, we can know how different life is today than it was a year ago. So the key to Christmas is to reflect in the season this time and what are the seasons and details of your life specifically today that God wants to breathe his hope into, that he knows you, that he created you for a purpose, and the reason that he sent his son is because he so loved you. And then to learn, no matter what comes to life, to, to filter every detail of life, hard and, and beautiful, to filter those details through the hope that comes from God coming to us through Jesus, because that never changes. Details and seasons of life, they change in a hurry. The hope of Jesus does not. So what is God up to? It's always the same thing. It's always redemption. It's always showing himself to be a relentless God who never gives up on anybody and who wants to touch and change people and the world with his love. That we are precious in his sight. You know that's in the Bible? I didn't. I just thought it was part of the song, Jesus Loves Little Children. Three different people across the country, unbeknownst to each other, texted me that verse from Isaiah and that line after the days of my surgery that, I, that I'm precious in God's sight. Right? And then I Googled it. Um, pastors do that too. Um, and yes, it's right there in Scripture that I, that we are precious in his sight and the, the giving to us of Jesus is the proof of that. He is in the details of my life. He is in the details of your life. And he is in the details of our church. Here's one big detail that, that I got to make sure we all are on the same page with. Right? We do not have a service in this building until January 8th. <laughs> all right? So the, the worst thing that can happen is some of you are just God touches your heart. We're praying and believing that tonight. And you show up here tomorrow morning. We will not be here. All right? <laughs> As a tradition from the very first day of our church eight years ago, uh, we said the Sunday after Christmas, which this year is January 1st, we take off just as a gigantic breath. We have an army of volunteers that do so much to allow us to do what God has called us to do as a church. And uh, so we give them a big breath so we can come back so strong. So January 8th, 9 o'clock and 11 is when we'll be back in here after tonight. We'll love for you to be here because God is in the details. You need to know what time we start. And you need to believe that he's in the details of your life and the life of our church. God has a plan. I'm sure of it. And Christmas proves it. What's he, what's he up to here at Relentless? You know, this thing, this stroke that I've referenced, my medical um, emergency, it happened to me. But in some ways, it happened to us as a church, right? I'm not the head of this church. Jesus is. But when this something, something this traumatic and potentially catastrophic happens um, to one of your leaders, like God is in those details. It matters to us collectively. You know, the natural question you could ask is, did God cause or allow this to happen to me? All right? And here's my, here, I've been praying about this for six weeks. Here's my answer. I don't know. All right? I, I don't know how exactly I want to answer that. Instead of answering that, here's what God has made me super confident of. Here's where I'm exactly sure. I'm sure that he wants to make what happened to me matter. I'm sure that he wants to make whatever's happened to you in your life matter. He wants to use those details, even the hardest ones. And he, I, I, don't, 
I'm, I, I, I'm so thankful to be standing before you and speaking tonight. I could just spend all, they gave me a limited time because they know how I am. Um, I could spend all my time just crying, but I'm not going to do that to you on Christmas Eve. I'm, I'm a different man after what God's brought me through. I'll never be the same. I don't think we'll ever be the same. God is, he wants to make what happened matter in, in the life of our church. Not just wants to, but already has. He has already made it matter. I've been so moved by your love and prayers and support. Um, he's moving in, in several obvious ways I want you to remind you of this Christmas. One, at our church. And if you're new to us, you're part of it. Like, we, we welcome you. We don't care if it's your, we love that you're here. Or if you're new to us, we just want you to know what's going on here. God is deepening our love, right? And I've been so humbled on being on the receiving end of that. This church is a weapon, and it's a gift, and we are deepening our love. Um, I've had more men in this church tell me they love me in the last six weeks than the previous six years combined, right? <laughs> and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's not just saying it. It's, it's how we're serving each other, not just me, but we're, we're taking care of each other as a church in ways that I've never seen in the history of our church. He's deepening. He's doing. He's working something. He's also deepening our sense of mission and purpose, that we have something that this broken world desperately needs. We're learning to be the church. He's moving. What was meant for bad, God is already turning for beautiful things. You guys are just loving in so, such powerful ways. I think I got a picture of our hand of hope, right? We do this every year, and we've been generous every year, right? But this trailer's never been so full, like, right? We're not a bigger church than we've ever been, but we, we bless more families than we've ever blessed. So if you don't know what this is, it's an angel tree where people bring gifts, and our church is just so unbelievably generous, right? Um, we're, we're just blessed. Like the w- things we're able to do for the city and, and, and our rent and the staff, it's, it all comes from the generosity of Relentless Church folks, right? So if you're, looking, um, if you're looking to give, there's boxes in the back. Most of our people give online. You're free to do that, but this is not, this is not a give speech. This is a, our love is deepening and one thing that we like to do, and I don't know what your Christmas morning tradition is, but if you have time to, to add this prayer, it would be, it'd mean a lot to us. Um, you guys went so far above and beyond with the gifts this year for, for needy folks and, and, and families. It's a lot of single moms that we get connected with through the pregnancy center. And if you would say a prayer tomorrow morning just for those people as they open the gifts, not that they would be wowed by Relentless, but they would be wowed by the God that is with them. They would be moved by the love of God through what you have done to absolutely blow these families away. So just pray that God would move in those gifts because I believe he will and uh, thank you. But it's just another, I could go on and on about how God is deepening our love for each other and our sense of mission and purpose as we do gear up for January 8th in 2023. And man, we, we got work to do and I'm more excited than ever about us doing it. God's building something here. You know, you know, people don't think it's real. I don't know if you have some of the conversations I have. We talk about being a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. People don't, think, people don't know that there's a multi-ethnic church that speaks the truth, right? Multi-generational, multi-ethnic, right? That, that, that's not just multi-ethnic in, in, in the seats, but multi-ethnic in leadership and multi-ethnic in, in, like, it's part of who God called and made us to be. And, like, we're not perfect by any stretch, but God is working and moving here. Uh, I have been so blessed to come and sit where you're sitting and attend Relentless Church over the last six weeks. 
Um, my heart has just been so moved by God speaking through messages from Raph and from worship. And there's a song that we're going to sing that's become really special to me. Um, I found out that as my wife and her sister were driving to the hospital while I was in the ambulance, that they were singing this song that God will God turn it around. And that they sang that over me in the hospital when I was coming in or out of surgery. I don't remember the details. Well, a few weeks ago, um, I was sitting over here and, and we sang this song. And I just, I felt, I felt the presence of God in this song like I've never felt it in this building in my life. Like God met me in this, in the truth of this song. Right? So I don't know what you're bringing into the room today. Hopefully a hope that we've talked about. Hopefully you understand and have experienced this character of God that you can count on. But there's got to be something in your life that God would like to turn around. Whatever that something is, he can. This is the God who broke through history and became a human in order to save us from ourselves, from our sins, to give us a relationship and to give us hope. It's a God you can count on. It's a God that is with us. He is the turnaround God. That's his specialty. Let him touch you. This Christmas Eve, with all we got in our minds and all that we're about to go to, would you just open your minds and your hearts to a God who is here and is with us and is good, and he wants to turn something beautiful around, something that you thought was lost or hopeless that you haven't even prayed about in a while, that he can and will turn that around. Would you just meet him in this song? Would you stand and sing with us?